0: Wow. There she is. I set my mic up differently this time. Do I sound nasally? <clears throat> at all. No,
1: no. No. Cause now I'm worried about that. I know, but I don't I don't get that vibe. You down the ride? I don't ever get that name. You always say that. I don't I ever really get that vibe that you're nasally though. It means a lot. Do I sound different? Sexier. Do, honestly. do I? Thank I you. think we're more judgmental to our own things than. You know, I feel like I sound like a boy and I don't know if that's true. No answer. I guess it's true.
0: (laughs) You know, what's funny is in San Diego, we do have such good weather that Mm -hmm. I am constantly in a good mood. It's better than the Bay Area, right? Okay, well, I, I wouldn't exactly say that. Sorry to touch, like, anytime the Whoa. Bay
1: Area is, like, a little bit, Whoa. like, like a little, like, ruffle Whoa. your feathers, you can't, like, you defend your city like it's no other. I mean, that's I love hard. that. I don't defend oh. Boston like that, though. Like, if you want to talk shit about Boston, it'd be like, pack your fucking car and have a an yard, buddy. Rip rip a couple mob reds outside of the garden. Like, I'm down to shit on it. Like, it's funny. But why you
0: would know? you want? I mean there there's aspects of San Diego that are or sorry not San Diego, there are aspects of San Francisco that aren't beautiful. But what is so beautiful is that that place is home and that place is home to so many talented, unique, passionate, neighborly people that actually like fuck with you it's it's I was kind of shocked you know people are like wait you made friends in LA when I talk about like you and Aaron and stuff and I'm like yeah but
1: <laughs> when I talk about my two friends from LA <laughs>
0: I talk about my two LA friends and I'm like yeah I mean I made friends and they're like oh so they're you know they're from LA and I'm like it's so stigmatized uh but no nobody I even know is from LA like nobody's really well, even from. no LA. I'm so quick to be like don't worry one's from Jersey
1: and the other one's from Boston like and then they're both just like oh even worse mm-hmm. sketch I know see that's the thing but that's the thing though everyone kind of shits on like their home city but it's like it's what made you 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 know what I mean like yeah. You're well, a different story 100%. But like, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for Boston, you know? Like honestly, that that you, say, you don't have time for bullshit, you say it how it is. People don't do that here in LA. Like I am going to be fucking blunt, bluntly honest with you. I'm going to tell you how I feel, and that's the fact of the matter. People people don't do that out here. They're just like Hi, they're like that mean girls thing where it's like, "I like your bracelet." And then it's just like, "Oh, thank you and then she turns around and she's just like i fucking hate her bracelet that's how i feel like it is that's why people
0: are shocked basically that i ended up with friends that i consider to be true friends and hopefully lifelong
1: friends i mean we started a podcast so i think we're pretty close (laughs) legit partners aaron and i are still talking to each other after driving cross-country together me and my boyfriend aren't together anymore so (laughs) after our road trip so there's two types of relationships, two types of girls. We always bring that back to two types of girls. Every single episode, we can't help it. Well, okay. So I'm genuinely
0: curious. We were talking about yes. weather and you were saying, you know, like, yeah, you're right. I absolutely have no idea what real weather, let alone seasons are. So what was something else that you were shocked about when you moved to California? Because you moved to LA, we actually moved to LA the same time as each other. And that was your we first it time was really cute moving to the West coast
1: it was my first, the thing that really took me off guard moving out to the West coast, it was like, why is there fucking weed stores everywhere? It's like a CVS. It's like, it's like a Walgreens. It's just, and then it's just like a a medical green. and, And it's like, you hear it talked about on the East coast, like, Oh, it's like weeds everywhere. And then I downloaded that app weed maps and I put it onto my phone and, It just, my phone lit up. Like, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? There is literally, I can get weed at a thousand different locations. I love that. In one little stop. All right. On the topic of marijuana, let's just get into our trail. Blazer. Let's emphasize blazer of the week, baby. We got Calvin, Cortazar, Broadus, Junior, baby. He's just a subtle guy. He's a really subtle guy. And he smokes a whole lot of loud okay comparably smokes maybe just as much loud as my podcast made over here soleil um he's a realist rider in the game he's an og gangster rapper despite the name we're talking snoop d-o double g baby are you ready the question is are you down to ride
0: fuck yeah i'm down to ride grace you know what is kind of funny is you <laughs> mentioned snoop's uh his name calvin Cordozar Broadus right. junior 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 um but he got his nickname from uh the peanuts character snoopy himself so he's always been called snoop or snoopy when he was little and that kind of you know that's carried through him so that is universally why was he
1: called do you know why they called him snoopy though like is it because he was just like snooping around just like looking blazed up at all times like is that why they called him snoopy like i know
0: we're genuinely it was like his love and likeliness of the cartoon his parents nicknamed him snoopy
1: okay yeah yeah no this wasn't like his parents did oh there wasn't even like any street cred to it It no no
0: no yeah no he was genuinely it was his parents well his mother and his stepfather his biological dad um,
1: he left when Snoop was like three months old. So yeah, he peaced. But besides that, him and his mom were mad close. Like they were super, super close. I, f- I found a funny fact that she like wanted to keep him off the streets. So she would get on Saturday nights, a six pack of beer and they would listen to old records together and like crush a six pack together. So like, and he like loved it. He like was when he was Aww. younger, he like didn't want to go out. He like wanted to stay in with his mom until he got to high school and like actually started like slinging like crack rocks but besides the fact um (laughs) he did enjoy that journey with his mom for a while well let's let's back it up a little bit let's go into a little bit more let's dive into it. interesting guy what an interesting life this man has had he he's not not we all think though
0: no and you know we know snoop for his music and we know snoop for Mm -hmm his many TV appearances and most of the
1: time the dude actually plays himself. Like that's- So savage. I would- Snoop as Snoop Dogg, like epic. Nobody, you can't write him as a character because he is his own authentic character. And like authenticity is his riding die his ride or die charm and that's us that is why he is himself and not only that but that is also why he's a trailblazer that is why he is our trailblazer of the week truthfully because he is the most authentic og person in the game in my opinion um there's no there's the reason he has done so well and he has stood the like stood all of time is because of his authenticity to himself and he stays true to himself. He doesn't try to change himself for people, for clout, for anything. He is literally authentic, authentically himself at all times. Yeah, that's 100% admirable. You can speak on that. Like he's so authentic, so, uh, so authentic that um, Warren G. Warren G. is uh, Dr. Dre's um, nephew, um, no, Dr. Dre's cousin. And he was, went to high school in Long Beach with Snoop he would make Snoop rap all the time in class. And he'd be like, yo, he would like point to his sneaker and then be like freestyle it. And then authentically, because he just, he doesn't, he just can go off improv, like, like himself. And he would just start improv And then after school, he would record Snoop and he would record with him. And he, he liked to make boot beats too, like Dre, but he wasn't as good. He was like his little cousin, but he would bring, he would run to his studio all the time and bring, the recordings of Snoop. And finally, Dre was just like, fine, bring this fucking kid to the studio. This shit's fire. Like, this shit's actually fucking fire from the mixtapes he was listening. Snoop pulled up to the studio, literally dropped a few verses. And he was like, that moment on, I knew I was going to work with him. Like, because he was, Dr Dr. Dre was even saying, he's like, he was so himself. Like, he just repped the streets of Long Beach. And he even says that. He's like, all I wanted to do at the beginning, getting into this, I just wanted to rep my city. I just wanted to rep Long Beach. Like and he was like whatever followed after that. I just wanted to rep my city and I put them on my back. He like
0: he knew that he had something special about his mm-hmm. rapping abilities and he's quoted or he's talked about always rapping in school but he's quoted as saying when i rapped in the hallways at school i would draw such a big crowd that the principal would think that there was a fight going on it made me begin to realize that i had a gift i could tell that my raps interested people and that made me interested in myself Hell
1: yeah that's and kind of that's, I like that i
0: like that so i like that. you know and so he he knows he has this gift. He knows he has a power with his words, but he is still getting into it. It's unannoyable. It's so like yeah. he wasn't the Snoop that we know now. So, yeah, it was probably hard to be authentic in that sense when you could get
1: locked up for what you're rapping about. You <laughs> but know, he's yeah. rapping about it, raps about it, but then tells the peeps, he's like, nah, what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: 1989, he graduates high school. But in 1993, his stories and what he's rapping about are becoming more and more prevalent in the media so he's denying police and media reports he ends up getting in a lot of trouble with the police I mean in
1: 1993 um I believe that that's the year but that is when he um he got charges for murder he got literally charged for murder and was sentenced for life in prison um he got uh, death row records bailed him out for like a million dollars and paid his bail um and he was like on house arrest which he was like blown away that he had to be on house arrest for this period of time and he couldn't like literally participate in his lifestyle he partied a lot he recorded a lot he was just literally stuck to reflect on his actions and this court case like really fucked stoop up because he had to reflect on his lifestyle he had to reflect on who his friends are and like everybody around him is doing the same things and he just saw basically his entire life at this this court it went on for like four or five months too so he had a lot of reflection to do where he couldn't do shit um and it was him and his bodyguard were both on on trial um and he got off. Luck- luckily, so,
0: well, hold on, hold on. What what were they on trial murder. for? Murder, murder.
1: It was a it was a gang. It was a what gun. Was... It was a gang related murder. Um, the person. It's it's all supposed. So, so this is the problem with the the court case because it's like he said, she said a lot of that, but it's all gang related. Um, Snoop, as we talk about, he like is always like it's not gang. I'm not in a gang. It's not gang related. It very much was gang related. So uh, here's
0: the thing: as Snoop says, he was Snoop was per the story I read, Snoop's in the path driver's seat. seat. Oh. Snoop's in the driver's seat. Snoop's okay. the driver. That's why he was charged because the bodyguard fired out the window. And the bodyguard him. is the, the one that
1: straight. shot the gun though. Yeah. Yes, so the bodyguard. Because is a- Snoop
0: was driving the car. He was also put on trial. and He was honestly, also there to yes. kill Snoop,
1: not the bodyguard. We obviously know that because Snoop was up to some sus. Snoop was up to sus shit at the time. Like he was just being suspect and like yeah, Snoop, we, we know he has a background of just, like, honestly pushing a lot of drugs, like straight prostitution, shit like that. We're not going to glorify, like, that behavior on here and not say that, like, that's great. But, like, honestly, through Snoop's adversity, that's why who, who he is. And that's what we're trying to get at this point right here is, you know, he really, through, through this court case, really reflected on his behavior and was like, I, I don't like you look at a video of him when he got released. He didn't, like, jump for joy. All he did was bow his head down and pray to God because he was like, I, from here on out, need to change everything about myself. He dropped himself from the label, got a lawyer to get him out of death row records. He was like, get Get me the fuck out of here.
0: And that wasn't even an easy thing to do. No, like no, not at That all. then goes into all the stuff with Suge, you know, with Tupac. Tupac that's an, yeah. And that's an entirely different podcast. Sure, We're trying to keep yeah. this as straight up on yeah. Snoop as possible. If you yeah. need to do the outside research, this is our disclaimer. Do the outside research. Yeah. We're talking Snoop being a trailblazer for being authentic. We have said yeah. it. We have stated it. We fuck with Snoop yeah. because he is himself unapologetically. We fuck with Snoop because he is a writer. We fuck with Snoop because he is down to constantly yeah. try and experience new things and does not let himself be put into a box. Facts. That is what these episodes yeah. are about. Oh, yeah. Drop mic. Skrr, skrr.
1: So, well, hold on. Back to Snoop. So let's just get into like Death Row Records because like that's like where he started off with Dr. Dre. Dre was like gangbang, you know, he was like in the gangbang life himself and- Dre was just like, yo, he fucked with Snoop heavy. And he was like, they vibed instantly. He can make those beats and Snoop could layer right over them. Super easy. Um, It was a lifestyle that they both like knew that they could benefit from. So they started Death Row Records. Death Row Records was literally like for the OG rappers. It was... Base, it, it there was so much crime and violence happening at death row records the name is death row records like let's just be real like it, it it's not hiding shit <laughs> it is pretty
0: straightforward
1: let's <laughs> call pretty. a
0: spade a spade and a death row record a death row record i mean yeah there's, it's it's not it's, that hard yeah it was a it, life it's not that hard well that's the thing the it's... lifestyle it was a lifestyle it wasn't just a brand the brand was because Mm-mm. that lifestyle was so authentic like that's I feel like you know there's there's a connection they went there. that together it's, you
1: were right with the brand thing yeah. yeah they
0: weren't trying to fit into a genre at this Mm-mm. point in time they were creating a genre and
1: Snoop they was were, hell yeah he was the he was the genre you know they Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre you know one of the biggest reasons Tupac Tupac, oh, um, um, Tupac came a little bit later but, but
0: Grant, they, oh. he came a little bit later, but this is kind of like that overall general grouping yeah. of some really iconic, groundbreaking, rough and rugged oh,
1: riders who just
0: <laughs> fucking blazed trails yeah. in the music scene.
1: Yeah. And like the emphasis on blazing that trail is Snoop and Dr. Dre. Like straight the fuck up like there's no there's no way denying this but they were the first people to get their music into the white communities like the first gangster rap music into the white communities they made it mainstream you know like their vibe was so heavy it was undeniable and what's really epic about that is Snoop brought the the thug life brought the OG gangster life into the homes of white people. So you could actually see what it's like to be on the streets and in the hood of Long Beach, you know, you can see what it's like to be in inner city, LA, you know, this is this was cultural. This was this was an influx of actually like bringing the black community to life. And it was like Snoop Snoop and Dr. Dre, you know, like you, you guys, you guys really fucking blaze that trail.
0: And not even necessarily bringing a community to life, but it was a voice for the community that at that point was struggling to grab one. And I'm speaking in terms of reading and retrospective research on, you know, what was going on in that time is, this was not that long ago, but also like still simultaneously before we were gone or before we were born, but a part of our history as a country, as a nation, as a world injustice. Oh, yeah. crime
1: big time big time like let's just yeah it it really was and like I like you know moment of silence you know for the chronic because that that's the song that's the fucking song that fucking crossed over and you know made history it was like the hip-hop hit yeah literally like literally the chronic and I love how it was just like Snoop, Snoop had like an, in an interview I was listening to and he was just like obviously that was a song that made the crossover because everyone knew me I brought the chronic I brought that fire I brought that gas everywhere and it's like still to this day Snoop brings that chronic everywhere like he even will not even pull up to events if he can't blaze up and he can't smoke at the event like wholeheartedly so you know what's funny is that's actually not the first time
0: I've heard that another friend of mine told me that, you know, whenever he rolls into the building, he's literally rolling in, rolling, no, rolling, butt, in. rolling up something rolling to in. smoke. Like there is a cloud, you know, Snoop's in oh, the yeah. building.
1: Honestly, like I, I actually, like, I'm going to say it. I had the privilege to kick it with Snoop for a night. Like, and, it, and and I emphasize privilege. Like it was when I first came out to LA and like, yeah, the, you're, you're hanging around kind of like different. Like I was hanging around with girls that were chasing fucking clout but luckily one of them was trying to talk to Snoop Dogg at the time. All these rappers and people that I was meeting at the beginning of coming out here was super disappointing and like an actual really big letdown meeting some of these people because you have them all hyped up and then you meet them. Snoop Dogg blew my expectations of actually meeting somebody and being blown away. He is so authentic to himself. Like he straight up just was like, oh, if you this was the ch- a charity event, all white people everywhere and he was just like straight up. They were like, oh, we would really appreciate it if you didn't smoke. Like this is a charity auction and he was like too fucking bad wait so hold on was this the event that you were that you met snoop at yes it is it is but he was he invited us to come like, he was just like, yo, I have this event. I want some fucking cool people there, like, pull up. But the event itself was still sick. They, they obviously didn't want somebody blazing up there, but besides the fact. So we get there, and, you know, Snoop is, we get to, like, actually go on stage and just, like, actually just vibe with Snoop. He's passing blunts around. Like, he has a, um, a St. Laurent bag with little weed leaves on it that is just full of blunts that are pre-rolled. And the authentic part of him is he hangs with his three homies from Long Beach that, He's like, yo, I don't I like to I bring my I bring my dudes with me everywhere. I don't like people fucking with me. And like he's not about like he's about meeting new people, but he knows that there's some people that are riders. Like he hangs with his riders because they got his fucking back and they know when people are trying to fuck with him. But what was the realest thing about him is like after his set and we were done, there was like kind of like maybe like 30 people in the the room, right? And slowly as the night goes on, he keeps telling his homies to ask these people to leave because they're not like authentic and he's like disturbed by their vibe. Like girls taking selfies, he'd be like, Yo, time to leave. Killing the vibe. Like literally by the end of the night, it was just me and my two other friends because we were all vibing in a cool, cool vibe. And the funny part is, I I was, I'm I'm obsessed with Snoop. I've loved Snoop for so long, but I also just like have my background in journalism. So I had so many questions that I wanted to ask him, but I was just trying to be subtle about asking him these questions. And I was just like, how did you stop being like a crip? How did you get out of the gangster life? Like I was just asking, I was like, how'd you get to this point? I was asking him all these questions. And he was like, yo, what's up with your Barbara Walters ass? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he's just so authentic though in the sense where he doesn't give a fuck like what he's saying, but also like, I respect that. And he also did make a, a comment to me. I, he asked me why I was out here and this one actually has stuck with me for a long time. He asked me why I was out here in LA and I told him that I do comedy. And this was when I was first meeting him. And he was like, uh, pretty girls shouldn't do comedy. That's like really stupid. And by the end of the night, he actually called me back over to talk to him. And he was like, nah, I fuck with you. And you can do comedy. Like, I just didn't know your vibe yet first. Like, I like to vibe people out before I say shit about them. But I fuck with you. And like, he didn't need to say that. He didn't need to do that. He's a real one. And I think real recognizes real. And Snoop, to this day, out of everybody I've met out here in LA, like, has changed my perspective and, like, given me confidence in what I want to do and, He's just so real like he's just he's just real as fuck. Well. yeah well before he
0: was greeting fans and you know having the clout to be able to carry his own weed in and tell the rules to go fuck himself you know he was just facts. he Literally was just facts. a young boy going by the nickname snoopy born in long beach to a mother and a father like i said earlier you know his biological dad ended up leaving So he was actually named after his stepfather. So that's the official name, Calvin Cordozar. Like that's, that's after senior, his stepdad. Not, not a hard,
1: not a hard game. No,
0: not at all. But you know, he raised a hard gangster. He was the second of his mother's three sons. So he like has family, has family values. He, um, when he was younger, he would sing and play piano at the Baptist church down in long beach um in sixth grade he started rapping and as a child he would Mm -hmm. you know sell candy deliver newspapers bag groceries anything to help his you know his family make ends meet those were his roots like that's where he is but you so you think of that in that description of what i give and you think you know this cute little he's selling it but no like he this is this is in, like this is in long beach this is in 1975, all the way up till you know 1993. It's it's not a great area, not a great no. time to be a little boy selling candy and selling newspapers to help your family. So Long Beach has long been gentrified
1: since then, dude. Yeah, it's I stay out of
0: LA as much as I can, so present I present day. I can't attest. <laughs>
1: Must be nice. I heard gunshots in my back alley the other day. Sorry if you're listening to this, mom and dad. And then a car that skirted off in my back alley uh, last weekend.
0: I had the palm trees slapping my roof. In a windstorm the terrible
1: weather from the Santa Anas
0: <laughs> you know you're, you're she's she's a hater
1: feisty one today I'm feisty I'm on my I'm on my feisty game. Snoop's making me feel hard
0: <laughs> I respect it
1: anyways back to Snoop I've actually seen Snoop
0: before and it wasn't even while I was working and living in LA it was while I was going to junior college in the Bay Area um, he had his football team. He coaches and runs like a youth sports football or a youth. He, ru- he runs and coaches um, his own like Snoop league and Snoop team. Um, and we got to go and see Snoop on the field doing his thing. And it was interesting because it's like, yeah, you know, the music, but then also like the authentic part about him is he is so multifaceted. There's so Mm. many different sides of Snoop Dogg. And one of them is his love for football, his love of coaching, his love of giving back. So yeah, he did start off in gangster rap and that genre of music, but through his development and through his own authenticity he's blazed a trail that has literally touched like he started or not started sorry he has a song in a bollywood movie he's been um he's played with the gorillas he's played with just he's every in so many different yeah like the, wide range of and artists it's music. just he's been in spongebob episodes
1: he and he's just he's been oh, he's been in millions of movies you know he's just a wide plethora let's just on on that note like you seeing him in that version of him being able to give back to the communities. um, Let's touch on the fact of like his growing process to be able to get there because Snoop, you know, the media kind of has pushed this a lot out of the side, especially since we were we're growing up in this vibe. But when, you know, in the nineties, 2000s snoop wasn't what we all think he was you know he was in and out of jail a lot you know he was incarcerated quite frequently uh snoop at 17 his mom kicked him out because he was selling crack you know like he genuinely had a tough city upbringing
0: mind you if people were older than us then they could have already you know been exposed (laughs) or have kind of heard about him on the scenes but granted we weren't even born in 92 i wasn't born until 95 love to always drop that in and you were born in 95 as well and so, you know, at the t- like I grew yeah. up listening to Snoop and like, because my mom loved him and. But we had that fresh image of him. I had like an untainted image of we him. we didn't know, I like didn't we think. didn't know any of his history. Yeah. It didn't, it wasn't even like, not necessarily age appropriate, but it wasn't relevant to us knowing
1: his music on the radio. And even the music being on the radio is kind of a big deal, but let's. They, they were so authentic to the streets and like what they were going through that it was like a true testimony of like. Their life and like their lifestyle and they had nothing to hide like they, they should have been maybe hiding a little bit more because the FBI like was straight watching them at all times and like they did end up running into a lot of problems with the FBI and eventually like death row records like definitely got shut down. As he's a father now, he's like, you know, I'm like honest with my children, like straight up. Like I tell my kids that I haven't done right at all times, you know, like I fucked up. I'm honest with my kids. I don't want them to be about that, that gangbang lifestyle. He says that straight up. And he's like, I'm honest with them. I tell them, I tell them that that's not a lifestyle that I want. But Snoop basically, he's like, I don't want to glorify my lifestyle. And after that court case, you know, like... And him changing his lifestyle over, like, it's just fucking awesome because he was like, I'm turning a new leaf, you know, like he started making his music. He still raps about that lifestyle and everything, but he raps about it in a very different way. And he talks about it in a very different way. The whole tone of his rap, you can see, take a whole, a whole uh, different change of voice uh, because he wants to do things for the better and be a better person. And like, that's fucking epic. And like, he got blessed, like him dropping his head and like praying after that moment. Like, you know, he avoided a lot of shit that happened to a lot of other rappers that he was involved with at the time. And like, he even, he would even would have been there for Tupac's death, dude. And he wasn't there. He was supposed to be on tour with him. And he wasn't Mm. like, that's called blessings. And that's called when you need to change a new leaf, you're fucking doing that. That's a blessing though. Honestly, that's like, that's a blessing. And when you're actually staying true to yourself and really trying to change a new leaf for yourself, it's hard because everybody around him was just like, you're being a pussy. You're being soft. You can't do this. You're OG. You're a gangster. What are you doing? And it's like, he didn't give a fuck. He knew his intuition was telling him what he needed to do.
0: And that's why he's a trailblazer. But like the thing about Snoop is he's such a multifaceted trailblazer is like, not only was he trailblazing by being authentic, he's trailblazing a whole genre of music as well. And he's also creating like a style based on others. So Rolling Stone, like they, there's a um, an article about Snoop and one of their music critics, um, you know, he says he has a relatively soft vocal delivery compared to other rappers. Snoop's vocal style, <clears throat> snoop's vocal style is part of what distinguishes him where many rappers scream figurative and literally he speaks softly and that's just snoop's whole thing is he is a
1: soft through that he does he
0: has a softness about him but he's delivering like cold hard brutal fucking <laughs> yeah. truth like soups
1: it's his voice too yeah like he his voice is like so distinct you know right when he's on the beat you know what i mean you like know it, he
0: right. lulls you he lulls you in and you think it's gonna be like
1: you know something gentle some lullaby it's like, <laughs> yeah it's not at all yeah you're like, Ooh, you like oh whoa he's stupid. literally talking about crip lifestyle it's like absolutely unreal he's unreal He's unreal. Crip lifestyle. Like, I know you're kind of, like, nerdy, but, like, would you, like, would you fuck with Snoop? Absolutely, I'd fuck Snoop. What? Wait. Would you you fuck with him? You just straight up said you would fuck (laughs) him, dude. Okay, you're just gonna put it out there. Well, so Lay would fuck Snoop. Ten out of ten would with this girl over here. She's blushing. I was asking if you'd fuck with him, but you're just... Actually, okay, openly well, just being like, "I'd fuck Snoop." Okay, he would absolutely. he would lay it down. He would lay some life changing. If passes, so. if it was. As a disclaimer, once again,
0: let me <laughs> disclaim myself. Uh, if he was Sorry, like, Mom. you know, where it was terms where neither of us would be hated for what you know, like we're not cheating on anyone or anything like that. Who right, knows? Right. Like it's just a, it's me and Snoop in the moment. Like I would absolutely go for it because I think Snoop, <laughs> you know, he could teach no, or he could teach a young dog some old tricks.
1: <gasps> I <laughs> love <laughs> that all the years of improv. <laughs>
0: But, I mean yes, and that's that's universal. <laughs> yes, and Snoop Dogg. Yes,
1: and me. Ba- yes, and
0: <laughs> doggy style only. Oh, geez, mate. Yeah, I oh, mean, wasn't he? Know- he was
1: in porn. He was in porn.
0: Okay, I. I don't know if he's been in porn. I'm not gonna make that blanket statement, but what I am gonna say is Snoop has his, had his hand in the porn directing. That's porn a funny phrase. He scene. had his hand in it. Yeah, he he had his he had his hand in the porn scene.
1: Um, and I'm just trying to find it right now. Give me. She's just trying to put her hand into the porn scene. Mm-hmm. You're trying to put your hands all over Snoop Dogg, baby. I'm trying to put my hand in. Yeah. Honestly though like he, he that that would be a that would be a, a vibe that I'm not sure I could take on going to be honest meeting him he's he's old <laughs> he's 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 uh, he's uh, not young you know um, gonna just put that out there but that might not change anything for you maybe you're into that um, I'm into older guys too so whatever there's two types of girls. We say that all the time. We always bring it back around. <laughs> There's two types of girls: one that wants oh, to fuck Snoop, one that doesn't. Hey, to each your own.
0: I mean, it's not like I'm going out of my way to manifest fucking Snoop. It's more like if the if it right happened, here. I would go with oh, it. Okay.
1: I'm right here in 2000. J. uh Corleone directed Snoop Dogg's doggy style uh, pornographic film produced by. Okay, Husswood. but. But you know what's funny? Snoop put his name as Michael Cor- Corleone, Corleone, an Italian name, which is fucking yeah. unreal. He's like, yo, yeah. I'm Michael Corleone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Dude.
0: But then after that, doesn't he release another one and goes by a yeah. different name?
1: Uh, I've, you were saying it earlier, but I forget it was a Scorsese. He like called himself Scorsese, like basically calling himself like the director Scorsese. He said Sco- Snoop Scorsese or something snoop scorsese like absolutely poetic the guy is actually yeah he's just too much honestly Own journeys like with marijuana like snoop's so open about it like let's let's talk about it ourselves because like weed is super prevalent in like people's lives like i know when i first met you i was blazing like all the time like i smoked a ton because it definitely was helping me process like a lot of anxiety and trauma um And it made me a lot more creative. It helped me with my writing and like finding my comedic voice. Well, some of my first
0: memories with you were us getting like uncomfortably high, pushing at the boundaries. I was Um, comfortable.
1: You were uncomfortable. You were comfortable (laughs) with the sushi day. I was uncomfortable because I was so full and I pants didn't fit. Oh, maybe I just tinged that whole day with uncomfort because of how much sushi we ate. I was comfortable and I would talk about being comfortable all the time from smoking weed and you would tell me how you would get a lot of anxiety from weed and I'm like, oh, you're smoking the wrong strains, this, this and this and like... I would just kind of be blown away that you would get anxiety from smoking weed. Well, it wasn't, Um,
0: it wasn't even necessarily that I would get anxiety with smoking weed. I had anxiety and I wasn't comfortable smoking weed and putting those two together and not knowing how to smoke. Like this sounds ridiculous, but smoke responsibly and not to like, like to enjoy like your high. I, I don't, you know what that means? Like no smoke, no I smoke totally smoking to like your smoking level basically, because that level yeah. it, there's a scale and sometimes you can chief more than you can't. And so, yeah, yeah, I was not on a chiefing spectrum. I'd, you know, smoke half a J or something and be like toasted. And now it's a different story, but that was months ago.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get that. And like, it was just like something that helped me for a long period of time, like process some trauma. But also I did end up finding myself, like as we, we've been speaking in previous podcasts is I suppress a lot of trauma and I haven't mm-hmm. let myself feel a lot of feelings. And instead of letting myself go feel my feelings or go journal them, I would smoke weed. Um, yeah. And I found that I was using weed as a coping mechanism as well. I think that there's really like beauty to marijuana. And I also think that you know, you're kind of, I was using it to cope and I would think, oh, I'll write this better if I have, if I'm, if I'm high, like, oh, I'll be more creative if I'm high. So for me in the past, you know, like three months or so, I haven't really been smoking weed and I really do like the way that I'm feeling. I just don't want it. I I smoke it like uh, all every now and then, like when I'm with friends and doing it in a social way. But when I'm just by myself, I don't need to blaze up because I want to think for the first time and feel for the first time, not think for the first time I've been thinking, but I want to feel <laughs> my feelings for the first time. And I want to do it stone cold sober and feel everything that I've been suppressing for the past fuck- oh, decades of my life. So See, I don't know, so- I think there's pros and cons. And so you're in your own journey. what will we'll, like, share your process with weed.
0: Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I'm I just used used to be. I'm a recovering type A. um, and I just like to have control and I still like to have control, but mm-hmm. marijuana was something that I totally intimidated me because it it was almost like, when you get stoned, you get silly and, you know, you always make jokes or people always want to be like, oh, you're so high or you look so high or you can't, you know, just everyone comments on what you're doing when you're stoned. If you're doing it in a social act, which is typically like your first couple of times, I would assume that's how it was with me. So uh, like for someone that was always really self-conscious, it was like, why would I want to put myself in a situation where I might might not have like that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, why would I want to be like a day late and a dollar short? Like, why would I want to be a step yeah. behind if weed slows things uh-huh. down? Like, no, I don't want people to have. So that's like, that's where I was at. So yeah. I didn't smoke it forever. And then I, during the pandemic started using marijuana, um, really frequently and using it with therapy and using it with working out and just using it as another tool, I think that's the best way to say it. Um, another tool in a way to grow and heal through life. Um, so it's it's really been a positive experience for me. Granted, I have a gnarly cough from it. And in no way is this, you know, us telling yeah. you go out and smoke, go find no, weed. Nobody's saying
1: that. Do whatever is legal in your state. makes you happy.
0: Here's another disclaimer as well. Do whatever is legal with where you're at. Don't say that Grayson slay on you down to ride. Told you to go, you know, pick up an eighth Go grab
1: an apple, go have fun. I love but that if you, say you want go to grab an apple. What an old OG trick right there. I mean, I Snoop Dogg smoking out of an apple is like literally therapeutic, honestly. It's it's marijuana like, is it's, really helpful though,
0: and and that is you know it's it's just it's a tool, and marijuana tool. is something that Snoop has advocated for for a really long time. And mm-hmm. what's funny is. Even before I started smoking weed, I actually, one of my buddies started working for Ease when he was a senior in college up at San Francisco State. And this was a kid I'd um, grown up with and known for a while. And he started working with Ease, which is a California based medical marijuana delivered company. That was like their old slogan. So we used to, you know, go out and he'd throw us sweatshirts and we'd go, you know, put out stickers and spread the word about this weed delivery service. And this was, Kind of back in the day. This was in like 2015. Back in the day, in terms of how quickly weed has just really popped up everywhere and stuff with like weed maps. Snoop, funny to tie it back to Snoop. Snoop was actually investing in ease back in 2015.
1: So Snoop had his hand in the He knows what's up too. Like if Snoop invested anything weed wise, I'd be like, that's gonna pop off. (laughs) Like that's gonna grow.
0: And, you know, what's funny is Snoop actually has, like, his own weed strains and has- so he does. And his own further... wine company, too,
1: apparently. Yeah, dude. Has, like, just- he He's such he a trailblazer. His... He talks about business all the time, though. He, like, will bring it up that he's, like, the- I was looking up quotes and things that, I, of, that he says, and he loves bringing it back into, like, business people. Like- he loves business and putting his hands and feet into like every business platform that he can to make more money and to like, just set himself apart from other rappers and such. He's such a connoisseur of just so many different crafts. Like, let's just be honest. Like he's best friends with Martha Stewart. Like he's, he's up, he's on some type of grind. That's like undeniable.
0: He's a hustler and hustlers are going to go after it. So yeah, like Snoop and Martha, they've, they've smoked together. They're, they're they they chief it out you know I'd love to see what a smoke sesh with them looks like I'm curious if they're me like do. indica or sativa kind of people if they even
1: care you know, I know. At, like, at what point I was blazed just... as fuck dude I don't know like I was like on a cloud I like don't even remember getting home
0: <laughs> can someone can someone text me and let me know if they know what strain Snoop well he probably smokes his own strain honestly yeah he probably smokes his own strain I could look that up. No one has to text me. Can I bring it back to the Bay yeah. really quick? Um, oh my God, something, of
1: course. Something that it's we actually say, sick up there.
0: It is, but something that we say in the Bay Area is like we call the weed shops the club. So if you I ever- love that. that's scary. Yeah, so it's like, oh, we're going to go to the club. We're going to go pick up at the <laughs> club. I'm going to make a run to the club. Does anyone need anything from the club? So when I actually got down to San Diego, me and one of my girlfriends were both from the Bay. We went to go- to the club and we went with one of her friends and he was like damn you guys like that's what you're gonna wear because we were in like sweats you know we didn't care we, we were just running to the club and uh <laughs> he was dressed up like you know homeboy he he was dressed up and so dressed to the nines
1: to go to the club to get some flour he I didn't respect realize, that
0: grind well he genuinely thought we were going to a club he thought we were going oh clubbing. shut the fuck up he,
1: actually he thought we, we were going to it. A- that would have been me when I first moved out here. I would have been like in my heels and crop top and just been like, we go going to the club. Yeah. Wrong club. That's, that's some Bay area. I love speak. That. So on that note, like let's get into our fucking therapy note of the week, baby. Let's get into it. So like kick us off, start us off with your therapy note of the motherfucking week. So I know we just spent,
0: you know, the last 30, hopefully minutes, um, so talking <laughs> about Snoop and talking about getting lifted, but my therapy note actually has to do with getting grounded because th- this week I um this week I just wasn't feeling in my body I got hurt. You know, I've talked about how hiking and physical activity has become such a strong part of my routine and such a grounding exercise for me that when I got hurt, um, I slipped a disc in my back. Uh, I, I had to literally take it easy. It forced me to not move and to lay in bed. And I just had a lot of really chaotic energy inside of me and my therapist, she, she could sense that. So she gave me grounding tips. So I'm going to give you guys some grounding tips. If you're ever in a situation where you need to, you know, come back down to your body, you need to check in with your physical, what you're going to want to do is the following, kind of a whatever works for you. Um, So things that my girl told me to do were ice cubes, roll them on your wrists, the back of your neck. If you're feeling overwhelmed, um, run your hands under cold water, hot water, whatever feels best to you, just get your feeling, like get your nerves, Mm -hmm. send those things, start to get back into your body. Sensory. So speaking of sensory, that's the next one, is smells actually. So uh, my head went straight to... Uh, light blue by Dolce & Gabbana because that's my favorite smell but she was speaking more like incense and lavender um so you know two types of girls Uh. Mm -hmm. but clearly I need more grounding um so we're gonna we're gonna pick up some lavender um also something you can literally do just like clench clench your hands clench your fists and then relax them and just grip them as hard as you can like dig your nails if you need to feel something feel and something. let go feel something yeah. and let go um oh. and you know if you want to get outside if you have a place where you can look up something else that you can do that is another tip would be lay on the ground watch the clouds go by truly that Love is that. a grounding exercise oh, I, yeah that's the physical my yeah, the physical is you connecting with the ground. So you're having that pressure and that impact. Push your hands down if you need to connect yourself and then focus on something else. Focus on that cloud passing you. Focus on that airplane. Focus on that bird. You're going to be okay. It passes. I promise you. I I put my name, yeah. I put the show name on that. Yeah. Be a writer. Write it out. Guys write it out. That will pass. That feeling will pass. Sometimes you need to get the fuck out of your head, ground yourself,
1: do whatever it takes. Love that. So you what's know, yours? On that note, you you need to, you do need to just actually let yourself with, with all of the things that you're saying, those are just sensory triggers to literally let yourself feel something other than the anxiety that you're feeling. Yeah. You know, I had to do a lot of those things when I was having severe anxiety attacks for a point of my life where it'd be simple things where it's like I would go wash my face, just simple things where I'm like, I'm actually just letting myself feel something, looking at the clouds, I do it every day at some point. But besides the fact, my therapy note. Um, my therapist, um, she actually like tuned into our podcast. She actually tuned into our podcast. Um, and it was the David Goggins one, which if you haven't checked that out, um, if you haven't checked that out, please check out the David Goggins episode. But she was listening to it and me and Soleil, we were both talking about how our check engine lights came on in our car. And we were kind of just like going back and forth, like that would have that would happen to us. Um, that would totally happen to us. But my therapist made a really, really cool note where it's like, she was like, you guys both were talking about trauma and things going on in your life, but your check engine light came on, right? Therefore in our, in our lives, our check engine light comes on all the time and we're ignoring it and we're just keep Mm -hmm. driving and we keep avoiding the problem. And we let our check engine light come come on and we're prolonging that.
0: Damn. So you mean to say that like your, your therapist was able to to make this like just this totally normal and layman's term point about something yeah. we all experience off of yeah. just, you know, the coincidence that we both had shit luck on the same day. That's, yeah. and that's kind of life Beautiful. too. Every everyone is having shit luck sometimes on the exact same day.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah. And I like that she like, it was something that we kind of bypassed in the podcast, but it was like the something that really stood out to her. And she was like, I love that you guys were just talking about that. Oh, our check engine lights came on the same day. And she was like, that is just life though. Like, and we keep pushing and pretending that our check engine light isn't on. And she's like, we got girls out here pretending that they're bad and bougie over here, but their check engine lights on. And it's like, girls, slow yourself mm. down. So chill your check in, check in with yourself. You need to literally check in with yourself. And literally the check engine light, we you got to check your engine baby. And you're not checking your engine. You're just driving at full speed. Full. I do that. I'm just at a, going a hundred miles a minute. And it's like, I haven't even checked in with myself. I haven't even made those adjustments I need in my life.
0: Self-care is going to the shop. You know, it is going to the therapy appointments. Those are tune-ups. Those are tweaks. Mm-hmm. Those are adjustments. That's going to the chiropractor. That's going to the doctor. That's going outside. That's literally doing anything you can to like, you know, to, to deal with that check engine like Those are all preventative things. When you're living a full balanced life and you are taking care of those problems and we had to stop what we were doing in the middle of going to, you know, we thought we were going to have this great lighthearted day. Our check engine lights came on and sometimes a bad day comes on, whatever it is. And you have to literally sometimes just fucking put your hands up and be like, all right, here we are.
1: At least we're together. yeah. And we, did, we we took it, we did it. And then we didn't let it slow it down. We still, we went for a nice bike ride. We had a bottle of wine at the beach. We had a great fucking day. We didn't let our check engine light ruin the day. You know what well, I mean? Which at some points in my life I would have let that be a deal breaker for my day. It would have pissed the, me off.
0: The resolution to those check engine lights where you needed to invest in a new you know, piece of equipment to better your vehicle. And mine was, I needed to screw the gas cap on tighter but they both went away and they were both taken care of. And it's just those things, those little things that, you know, little mistakes or stuff that you don't expect to have an impact. Those are the check engine lights. Those are like your tune in signals. You know, those are,
1: that's your, that's your emergency flasher. So with yourself, baby, please check yeah. it with yourself. And if there's a You're problem, a it's okay. It's okay. If there, if you have a problem, just don't, just don't avoid it, dude. Stop avoiding it. Like, take it head on or you're just prolonging a problem. I've done it so much of my life. Like stop prolonging your feelings and prolonging those things. Right. Ride, riders process their feelings. <laughs>
0: riders process their feelings. Riders check in on themselves. Riders listen to Snoop Dogg. This episode has kind of just ended up a be being a check in with us, too. It is you know what? This will be our fourth episode that we're putting out. So it's um, It's us being authentic. This is our check-in. We're working on it. We're working on Snoop. Um, We're going to stay motivated. We're going to embrace flaws in the past. We are going to stay 100% us. We're going to grow every day. And we are going to ride the fuck on out of here. So, Grace, with that being said, peace. Peace. We out, baby. Sweet.